welcome to another episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast with your hosts, David and Nick. In this episode, we return to Tokyo, say farewell to Huck, pack for a trip to Russia, learn the new Superman's name, and more! I almost turned that off instead of turning it down. That would have been very awkward and abrupt. It would have been like, here's some music, haha, <laughs> go home. Which accurately describes all of my dancing experiences in bars or clubs, I guess. I don't really know if I've ever gone to a club. How often do you go to these things? I've been to a club once. I know. Shocking. Nick, upstanding citizen that he is. I imagine always... you, were, you were there to pick up somebody. Yeah, you know, me and Anna, like, we're totally into that open relationship. Oh, no, 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 no. Wait, no, I don't mean pick up somebody like, uh, hey, baby, more like, uh, man, who's criminally uncool who can pick up us, our drunk asses from this bar? Nick is criminally uncool. He's probably sitting around doing nothing. Let's call him. You know who the nerd is when they offer to be the designated driver. Yeah, designated. every time. Designated driving is not cool. It's I'm trying to make it scientifically cool, proven. Like Just an kidding, guys. Special. It's totally cool. If I've learned anything from uh, after-school specials, it's that being a dork is awesome. Mm-hmm. I guess they probably I, had some after-school specials about like don't drink and drive. Well, I want to. I want to say back in uh, high, at least in my high school. Uh, in homeroom, they would play. You sometimes it's like, oh, it's like something weak, you know. It's like Pride Week, or it's like dr- drunk driving week, or something. I don't know. So like sometimes, like right. you would just watch these, you know, videos, promotional videos, or whatever. I think that's the wrong, not promotional videos. <laughs> promotional, basically promoting before, not b- driving before school specials. Oh. <laughs> um, about like you know, I remember even from when I was a kid, like the "Don't Talk to Strangers" videos. Well, that's just that's just good advice. That's just good advice. Nah. I want to say I might. This might be a repressed memory. I remember a stranger trying to talk to me, and then I didn't talk back. Wow! Why would you repress the most boring memory in the world? Because I repress everything that's boring, so that I only remember the most exciting things. That's totally not true at all. Oh, I know. So many of them sneak back in. Oh, kids! Nick is sad. Don't be like Nick, but be like Nick when it comes to offering to be the designated driver, because watching your friends be drunk assholes is sometimes hilarious, but more times it's frustrating. I don't know where I'm going with this message at this point. It's mixed signals. Oh, oh, great. Can I tell you about me trying to get home today? Sure. It's totally about comic books. It's not about comic books. We have um, Okay. So, so I, I get off the highway. It's like a little intersection where I get off and I drive a little bit and then it like, I turn a corner and there's like a bridge. You don't just, you don't just veer blindly off the highway and Uh, hope that it's going to work out. Not on Wednesday nights, other nights Uh, I do. So uh, I I come around this corner, my street 
is maybe like a quarter of a quarter of a mile away down just past this bridge. So, so it's, it's a hop and a skip for me okay. to pass this bridge and then boom, I'm at my street. But like they've been doing some construction. And so as I get to like the start of the bridge, there's a cop car with its lights on. There's a, my lane, like my driving lane is empty. Like it's, 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 it's not blocked off. I should say there is a uh, detour sign like pointing down to the side road. Uh-huh. And at first, like my first attempt, I'm like, okay, like I did see a car just go down this road that I need to go down, but maybe he was like involved in the construction. So I like, I'm going to follow the detour sign. So I go and I technically know a way to get home from this route, but it basically has me go all the way back out into the highway uh-huh. and then back down around like another route, not necessarily a detour. So anyway, I drive down the road a little bit, see another detour sign pointing on this other side road. So I think, oh, maybe this one pops out right near my street. Mm. makes sense right drive down it eventually takes me right back out to where like just before i get to that bridge so like literally it brings me to the intersection where i come in off off the highway and makes me turn right back down to the detour assigned to the bridge and i stop next to the cop and i'm like waving like an idiot like like i want to talk to you and all he does is say follow the signs follow the signs follow the signs i'm like this guy's gonna be no help like i've been doing that for 13 years (laughs) i almost was just like i've been following the signs you guys suck at setting them up i literally just came back here because of your signs uh anyway so i eventually just decided to take the long way home and just as i'm pulling into like so so i I turn down my street and then i turn into my parking lot and as i turn I I'm maybe driving slightly faster than I should, God, I but, story but just, I mean, but, but slow, but, but slightly faster than I should be on that road. I've got a really bad feeling about the story guys. Continue. <laughs> so just, no, no, it, it ends on a happy note. I'm everyone's still alive, but literally I turned the corner and there's this asshole. I don't know if he's a college kid or a high school or whatever, literally like walking right in my lane, like in the middle, not even like off to the side, like right smack and dab in the middle oh, of the God. lane. He's, wearing, just, he's just complaining about his day. Wearing all black. Uh-huh. Wearing all blacks. I literally, I am, I mean, you, the, the listeners can't see it, but you can see, like, I was literally this close from crippling this kid. Uh-huh. How fast I, were you driving? I mean, like, I, I was driving, I'm not, like, I'm not saying I was going 60 or anything. Like, it's a, it's like a 15-mile road. I maybe it was going 20, like, five miles over. You know, but I turned quickly because generally when you can't see anything, there's nothing there, Right. But this guy was in all black so until my lights hit him. It's not like – because, like, I'm driving, so it's not like I saw him because my lights hadn't hit him yet. Because I, I can see the road as I'm about to turn. But my lights haven't hit that side of the road yet, so I can't – so, like, I didn't see him until I was about to cripple him. Anyway, the guy flips me off, and I'm like, you're the asshole that's wearing all black at, like, 930 at night. And uh, I go around to my park, and, uh, and then I came on and did the show. Hold on. Hold on, I have a response for this. But I I I wasn't ready for it yet. What you just said Here it is. is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> that fits so perfectly. <laughs> What's that even what from? That's from Billy Madison. It's, oh, it's been a long time since I've oh, seen it. Oh, that felt good. 
that felt good for everyone there. <laughs> Have you been holding on to that for a while? Just like the like near the end of that story when I realized it had no point. <laughs> I was like, I need to have that ready. Oh. So I was half expecting you to play the Batmobile one. To the Batmobile. Let's go. Let's talk about some comics now because we gotta do something. <laughs> we gotta. I'm lost all sense of purpose here. Oh man, what a what a normal week for comics. Uh, and boy, did some stuff come out. Do we want to go ahead and? Uh, that's not going to be the name of the episode at oh, all. Oh, it's the pre-show discussion. Okay. Uh, let me, let's just go ahead and hop into Tokyo Ghost number six. Sure thing. The let re- me... The return of the Tokyo Ghost. Or in some ways, the beginning of the Tokyo Ghost. Really, it's it's the it's almost like the first five issues were the prologue in this yeah. you know, sets us up. Yeah, so those who don't remember the world of Tokyo Ghost, it is set in the future at some point uh the year 2089. is 2089 oh, i'm just gonna go ahead and read this right here <clears throat> in the year 2089 the world has become addicted to, te- to technology people spend most of their time fleeing from a bleak and hopeless reality jacked into a virtual one of endless distractions and digital pleasures entertainment is the only thing worth living for anymore Blah, 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 blah. Uh, a quick summary, our main characters were... I was calling him L.E.D. Dent for a long time. It's just Lead Dent. Yeah. Yeah. You are calling I, him L.E.D.? Because, like, it's all in capitals. I thought, like, oh, they're playing up the whole, like, technology thing. In my head, every time I read it, it was L.E.D. But uh, Lead Dent is a constable who uh, basically is just a, a thug for... What's the name of the guy? They said his name a bunch, but I don't remember. Um, wow, I just... Like, I read this today. Um... Oh my gosh! What is his name? the The guy he does the stuff. I know, man. This is so. The, Dave, Dave, this is a great. This is a great overview of the comic. Davy Trauma is the guy that he's controlling. Um, it's. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's literally on like half the pages. They say it. I know. And I'm it's trying to Flack, find... Mr. Flack. Mr. Flack. All right. So Leadend is a constable. Was a thug for Mr. Flack, and then his girlfriend, well, Led's girlfriend, was Debbie Decay. I actually really do like the names in this book. Uh, and she is one of like the only people who is not jacked into technology. But she's stuck with him because she loves him. And uh, they grew up together. But one day he got embarrassed in front of her. And then started. that's when he started taking all these steroids and getting into like the constable program. And they started devouring entertainment. They escaped to Tokyo where there was no technology. And there was an EMP per- preventing technology from getting there and they were happy for a time then shit went bad uh dent went back into constable mode and messed everything up while uh preparing to blow up the i the 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 special land of tokyo uh while the the former leader of tokyo was dying and she gave debbie uh her sword which seemed to contain some special something inside of it and then she just debbie something unknown happened to debbie the island blew up and uh oh yeah mr flack wants tokyo because there's food and water there and they've run out of that crap in the rest of the world so that's the the quick uh, where we left off last time if that was a spoiler for you i apologize but go read the first issue anyway 
or the first volume. I do think there's some good stuff in there. Uh, Nick, give, give me your thoughts. Um, well, I've always Share been a fairly unabashed Rick Remender fan. Um, I would say that this issue was overall good. No complaints about the Sean Murphy art. Um, I would say structurally, I, I sound like an asshat when I say, well, structurally, this uh, comic book. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, I mean, we're here, to, uh, we're here to deconstruct these things. So, so I mean, uh, I guess I probably should. Anyway, uh, the majority of it, like, I, I, I know you commented on this, and, and I do agree. Sometimes, I feel like especially with this book compared to some of his other ones, like, it's really heavy on the exposition uh, and being heavy and like wearing the 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 the, the reason to exist on its sleeve, like what it's all about. Um, I felt like we maybe didn't need as long, like the the, the opening sequence where like let uh, Led's taking out this like story time themed um, or nursery rhyme themed uh, terrorists or whatever uh, is really it was. Uh, really intriguing visually and like the dialogue was written well and all that. It just felt like it was, it was a really extended take on just re-explaining this world that I mean, like sure. If this is your first issue, it's nice to get caught up, but I feel yeah. like especially with image books, you, you rarely like jump on halfway through the run. Like yeah. especially if it's only six issues, like you're going to go back to the beginning and read five issues. They did. They did do a whole big, like this did really feel like they were really trying to make a jumping on point. Yeah. For so I mean, people, in my mind, like I think that detracted from the overall quality of the issue because now instead of continuing the story, it feels like we kind of spun our heels for several pages, uh, catching everyone up. And if you've already been caught up, then you feel like again you're just spinning your heels. And then we get into the juicy stuff like the Davy trauma t- working with Mister Flack, um, and then of course the ending where you realize that <gasps> Debbie Decay may not be as dead as you thought. No, no. I mean, everything that's happening in, as far as this issue is concerned, um, I would say is, was probably pretty easy to predict, you know, what the next step of the story was, Mm -hmm. uh, what was going to happen next. And not that like, it was uh, uh, easy to predict in like a bad way. Like, Oh, this like, Oh, this is what they're going to do. That's stupid. It's like, no, I, I, I got a pretty good idea of what's where, what, what the next opening bit of the story now where it's going to go of course is that's difficult to tell uh for for me this issue was a lot like the very first issue which i think we talked about on the show and i was not the world's biggest fan of that first issue because Mm -hmm. it's very obvious what they're trying to do they're like trying to be like look guys this is our culture this is what our culture is like this is what our culture is going to become oh we all hear about entertainment oh we don't really feel things anymore oh guys look at it and this one does that same kind of stuff it's like where uh mr flack who's like providing all the entertainment is like I just want everybody to be entertained and happy. And a guy is like, you're so wonderful. Let me suck your dick. And that's what, ha- like, like there's no subtlety to it at all. And, you know, for some people that's totally like their jam, they're like, oh man, look at it being so in your face. I'm like, it's not like, you're not trusting me to get things. You're just like shoving my face into it. Uh, and, and I really actually did enjoy the first volume, the more that it went on, which is why I'm still sticking with this book. If I was just reading that first issue, 
if I was basing it all off of that first issue, I may have just been like, mm, don't really know if this is for me. If someone tells me it's great, I'll catch up with it later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, but I'm glad that I stuck with it. But this issue gives me that same feeling, at least for the first, mm, I would say like the, the first third of it is interesting. Uh, the middle third is that whole like, look at it, look at it. And like the last third, more interesting stuff happens that I, I wanted to happen. So it's it's a mixed bag for me. I've realized I don't really know how I feel about Remender at this point because I haven't read a ton of Remender. Uh, I, I've talked about Deadly Class and how I kept trying to give Deadly Class a chance, but it just didn't work for me at all as it went on. Uh, parts of this are working for me, parts of it aren't. Uh, I'm very interested to see what's going to become of uh, of Debbie Decay and uh, Lead Dent because I started caring about their love story, and uh, and I, I'm very sad for how things are going, and mm-hmm. I don't. I'm I'm curious how far this storyline can go. You know, like how many is this going to be if on like are we going to get to issue ten? And that's going to be it, or are they going to get to like issue fifteen? Or are they expecting this to be like an ongoing? I think it it is ongoing. I don't know how long they plan on stretching it out. Um, I feel like, especially if you want Sean Murphy to do the whole thing, I know he's got like five issues of Scott Snyder's All Star Batman coming up, and he's mm-hmm. he's definitely a very in demand and popular artist. And I'm sure, it, just judging by you know, the level of quality in this artwork, like I think he's wholly committed to the book. And I know that it's, it's just coming back this week after an extended break, yeah. you know, of like a, a couple of months or something. Uh, and that's kind of images MO these days, which is totally cool. Um, but I mean, I feel like, I mean, I, if Kirkman's anyone to, you know, <laughs> the show or superhero comics in general, like books can last quite a long time. But I think this story, my, guess is that it's not going to be as long as Rick Remender might plan some of his other books. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking they're doing five issue arcs, five, 10, 15. I mean, we're probably looking at, you know, maybe 25, you know, basically two to three years worth of material maybe is, is my guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'll be interested, uh, interested to see because it's, it's just one of those stories where you feel like, how far can we really take this and what's going to be around the next bend? And I, I think there's like a number of creator owned books where I feel like they, they very purposefully do the first, you know, arc to be kind of self-contained to an extent, just in case, Hey, this doesn't really work out and Mm -hmm. we don't get past this first arc, but we have to tell like a story anyway. Yeah. Um, so always in those first ones, I'm like, yeah, this is totally contained. And then, I'm like excited to hear they're ongoing, but I'm also like, what, where, how, what, when, why, who? I think I hit all of them. <laughs> and then you, you know, you read it, and and then you find out there's more twists and turns. The the com- and sometimes it's- like, like especially like for example, Rick Remender's Low is a book I really like. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's like, I mean, I feel I feel like and maybe we're used to this with like superhero comics and obviously with superhero comics, like they've changed creative hands. So sometimes it feels like there's a bit of a soft reset every time a new writer takes the reins, Mm -hmm. you know, but sometimes like it's nice having this world 
that you obviously don't want it to last forever, but when you like really get into the characters and it's really more about the characters and how they interact and the choices they make and you, you like not fall in love with them, but really come to care for them, then it's nice to sort of having a world that you can kind of sink into and, and just experience, you know, it ends up, it's not just about simply telling the story, but it's about existing in this interesting world that's been built. Mm -hmm. Uh, now here's what I'm curious about is will this book finally tell us what was going on at the end of wake? Uh, what was that, David? Oh, come on. I, that was... Uh, ruined the delivery. Oh, okay. Well, it seems that I've lost Nick here for a moment. We're going to try to get that back online. Though I still stand by the fact that the wake was confusing and disappointing on many, many levels. And Nick is coming back online right no. Well, this is certainly awkward. Maybe I should pause recording while we figure this out. And we are back. Nick, you totally missed me asking if this book is going to answer what happened at the end of the wake. But oh. that, that ship has sailed. It's uh, yeah. moved on. Quite literally. Uh, no, Ew. I don't think the wake will ever be explained. Uh, except something about mermaids and maybe in, togetherness. In I don't tears, know. There were human tears for human memory. Oh, yeah. Something happened. Part of me kind of wants to go back and reread it. Another part of me like doesn't want to bother. Um, yeah. Um, sort of my my last note on Tokyo Ghost mm -hmm. is it's a very blunt world, and I think that's part of it. Like it's easy enough to say like it's not subtle enough, or it could be more subtle. Um, but I feel like some sometimes art it's okay if it's blunt, like if that's his intent, and I'm. Leaning towards like it's, you know, I want to say that Romendo seems a pretty smart guy and that he knows what he's doing and that he's throwing the world in our face on purpose. Not so much a like, I mean, you can call it a cautionary tale, but I mean, he's so, I don't want to say he's nihilistic. That might be too strong a word, but just when you look at a lot of his body of work, it's like trying to find the light in the darkness, so to speak. So, I mean, he's, he's really willing to hit her. So he, he, he's a hard hitting writer and I, I've seen him do subtle and I've seen him, you know, be clever and, and really uh, use the dialogue or use the scenery of the art to, um, you know, push the subtext without necessarily hitting you in the face with it. So I think that there's an aspect of this book that's designed to be blunt and in your face. I mean, like the whole story about like the, the pop band president from 2044 you know, oh like, yeah, oh, that part. Like, that was so dumb. Sorry, I didn't it, like that part at all. It, it's dumb, and it's cool. Like if you don't like it or not, but it's it's he's more like again. It's like that blunt light. It's like um, what's that movie? Uh, Idiocracy. Ugh, don't we're not in that. In that at this this book at its worst reminds me of that. Well, okay, Idiocracy itself might be a fine movie. But now people are like, oh, that was a documentary. That's definitely what's happening. <laughs> yeah, you're so great and smart. Like, as you recognize that everyone else, everyone else is an idiot, but you're a genius, right? Like, that's... <clears throat> We're not going there. We're not going there. <laughs> did I touch a nerve, you David? Did. You did. Uh, I mean... It sounds more like you're upset with the culture that's born, been born out of idiocracy than the movie well, itself. It's, it's people that people use it in, in a condescending way, 
like, oh, now the world's more like idiocracy. Yeah, it's like, oh, you can't see me doing the jerk-off motion. But that's what everyone's doing with one another when they talk about it like that. <laughs> and so it's, it's like a hipster cannon fodder. Um, so taking the, the response to idiocracy out, I think it's that thing where clever points are made, but it's obviously very on the sleeve. Mm-hmm. Compared to just, like, some sort of weird, subtle, like, I'm showing you a picture of a flower, but it really means, like, the damnation of all society. Well, you know what I mean? And there's some really, like, interesting stuff almost in that conversation of, like, what's better, politicians or corporations? And that, like, that conversation is perfectly fine, perfectly interesting. It was just the way that it was approached, where it's like... Oh, and you know, in 2048, people are going to, they're going to vote in a, a pop star who threatens to nuke everyone and thinks the earth is flat because everyone's going to be giant dumbasses by then. Ugh, people can't see my physical confabulations. You're very frustrated. Well, then I hope that, uh, you know, who doesn't get elected? Not that he's like the way that they describe him in the, oh, then that's, anyway. oh God, that's made everything so much worse. That's sort of like when I read that, that's like, and now... Donald Trump is a lot of things, and I don't want him to be president or anything. But like, compared to this parent, future president of twenty forty four, he's Donald Trump can definitely be considered, based on his rhetoric, a harbinger of that. But that aside, I think this book. I mean, we've spent the last six issues with um, Mister Flack, and sort of like, you know, I don't think this book has done anything to make corporations look any better than politicians. So it's not sort of like they're making a statement of. Um, Corporate or or the government's bad, corporations are better because well, no, no, almost no, no, like no. both are bad. Well, no, no, no. And I'm not saying case. like that's that's not saying that's the point that the book's trying to make. But having those two characters discuss it, in given the context of the world, is actually very interesting. Um, but I just thought there were elements of it that were dumb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, you got very upset there. I did get very upset there. <laughs> and hey, I if people think I'm totally wrong and that uh, obviously we're living in an idiocracy right now, feel free to email in and we will have a level-headed discussion on the internet. Let's <laughs> let's talk about other books now. Let's All move right. along. So, David, uh, how did Huck wrap up? Wait, aren't there supposed to be six issues? Yeah, yeah, this is issue six. Yeah, this is issue six that came out, and it's the ending. Uh, All right, so Huck number six is the ending of this little story. Uh, I believe I've kind of talked about how Huck and his mom, who are supposedly the only superpowered beings in the world, were captured by Russia yet again because years ago uh, Huck's mom escaped and. Uh, Witten had him as a baby, uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and this is about them getting out of there and getting free. And uh, for those who haven't read a lot of Mark Millar books, might not be super uh, keen or might not really know about Mark Millar endings, which is to say Mark Millar is really not good at ending books. Uh he writes some very interesting stories, but typically the endings, things tend to fall flat. He tries to put everything with a nice, neat little bow 
the the good guys of the story win, the bad guys lose and get their punishment, and everyone is like happy for all time. Unless it's like Kick Ass Two, because he knew that there was going to be a Kick Ass Three, because he needs that money, apparently. So this uh, this book is fine. Like this ending is fine. It's all very by the numbers. Huck and his mom get out. They defeat the bad guys. Uh, the bad guy is like, uh, I will get you yet again. And then, no, here's a solution that will prevent you from doing that. And now we're going to walk off and live our happy little lives together until uh, death might come to us. We don't know. We're super powered. Um, but, of course, like no other government in the world is going to be interested in what we do. Only this one guy. And that's... Like, that's kind of what I'm talking about with Malar endings, where mm -hmm. there's so many other things to consider and so many other interesting things in this world. Uh, but, nope, everything is taken care of and everyone moves on with their life and it's all perfect and happy and yada, yada, yada. Like, they they prevent this one villain uh, from, you know, pursuing them again. But really, like, there's been no talks in this book. Like, every government in the world would be so very interested in these people and what makes them tick and can we create other superpowered beings uh but none of that like ever gets brought up and they make it seem like not the world totally loves huck and wants to respect him and has no issues and that's like a very fun idealistic thing but if you're going to set it in like the real world it's not very realistic, you know? Mm -hmm. And so just my thoughts on the book, um, Raphael Albuquerque is, you know, his art continues to be great. Uh, really like really intense stuff when it needs to be like really intense. Um, and then, you know, also like really lighthearted moments are very warm and they, they, like the use of colors are, are just very, very well done. Uh, it's, it's technically the book is great. Uh, writing wise, very by the numbers, ho-hum. I enjoyed Huck overall. Uh, it just, I don't want to say forgettable, but it kind of is. It's not something that I'm going to go be shoving this book into all of my friends' hands and being like, you need to read this. It's going to change everything. It, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with it being fine and good. And you can just sit down in an afternoon and read it and be like, that was nice. You know, sometimes you need that. But it wasn't earth-shattering, life-changing. I'm probably not going to pick up the collected volume, mm -hmm. you know. So that's that's Huck. That's Huck. Is... Very. That's unfortunate that it, you know, and I and I totally know what you mean when it comes to Mark Millar. Like it's, it seems to like start on a high note, builds, builds, gets really interesting, and then just kind of like ends. Yeah. Yeah. Ashfilia. Except for uh, Red Sun. Red Sun is good stuff. And that ending is great. No, Ultimates is a Mark Millar book. That's good. That's, that's uh, true. Maybe he just well. I mean, this was a superhero book, though. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. it's. Uh, I mean, 
on one hand, he, he puts out all this Miller World stuff. And some of it, like, I remember really enjoying Superior. It's been a long time since I read it, so I don't remember it all. But I, I feel like I when I read it all, I feel like I read it all at once. And I enjoyed it for, you know, like, it's, it's different when I think when you read it, like, on a month-to-month basis. Um, but I also feel like he puts all these books out. And I, I hate beating, like, the he only makes them so that they can get movie options. And he probably gets the check for them being optioned and you know, kind of like goes on his way. I think that's pretty pessimistic, but there is a aspect of it where like every book he announces has some kind of movie deal attached. Yeah. Um, so it feels like he's basically like, he's almost put out the blueprint for the movie. You know, they're working on a, a secret, uh, a Kingsman two, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't think he's even trying to get like a sequel book out there. No, um, Chrononauts got optioned. Uh, Empress got optioned immediately before it, even before Empress even came out. They were like, "We're gonna tease who the actress is," which I, it might not be. Uh, what's her name? Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. Oh yeah, looks a lot like her. That second picture didn't quite seem. Oh, I didn't know there was a second picture. There's one of her without the head wrap That's... on. Huh. And I didn't. And I'll see if I can find it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's almost kind of like he had a really good idea going and then it's like, all right, well, I'm done. But yeah, yeah. In, um, Jupiter's, uh, circle, right? That's the, yeah. Jupiter's circle comes in. Jupiter's legacy. legacy. Oh, oh, circle. Yeah. Circles. The, it's the prequel book. Yeah. That ends, uh, next issue. And that one also feels a little bit like, oh wait, I don't know how they're going to, like wrap this up, uh, and then Jupiter's Cir- or, uh, Jupiter's Legacy starts back up, and hope, apparently it's going to come out one issue a month because they gave Frank Quitely like six years to finish it. <laughs> uh, it'll be very interesting to see how that all wraps up. But yeah, that's my my quick take on the Huck. Uh, I'm not I'm not going to tell people not to read it, but you know, most people I would say most people will probably enjoy it. Go read it. It's it's not a bad way to to spend an hour or so, however long it takes you to read comics. Nick, why don't you? I what do you what do you want to talk about? Huh? You you read a little bit more than I did. Um, I read the next chapter in this whole last days of Superman story. Some interesting stuff. Reconnects with Supergirl. Uh, I'll wait until like a, a couple more issues to kind of dig into the story deeper. Uh, the latest issue of Superman American Alien came out and, um, you know, it's hipster Superman, but it's, and it's Max Landis, but it's done really, really well, in my opinion. Um, I mean, it's not, it's not like to say that I like everything, but there's something about how he approaches the characters where love them or hate them. They all feel distinct. And it's also like, like this Clark Kent feels distinct. You know, maybe it's not like this. You know, the, 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 the blue boy scout. Like he, like he's just sort of like a walking iconic caricature of himself. Like he clearly have in, he has interests and and dislikes and, um, you know, tries to present himself in a certain way. And also because this is a younger Clark Kent and a younger modern modern Clark Kent, you know that like he's a lot further away from sort of being like the, the pillar of goodness like he's testing the waters he's a little bit arrogant a little bit cocky but it's like you know one of the things that i like about it too like this issue kind of cements it but the last couple also kind of brought up is that 
like in his confrontation with Lex Luthor, like, you know, he really is just like, is despite his alien upbringings, he's just a kid from Kansas that has incredible abilities and knows that he wants to do good, like help people with them. But it's not like he has any plan. You know, he, it's almost like he stumbles into having sort of this, you know, cause when you think of, you know, uh, a good person, you know, they don't necessarily, you know, throw in a costume and say, look at me, look at me. Like, you know, I want to be a, you know, I'm trying to make a statement or I'm trying to be like, he didn't, he didn't stumble into being the, the pillar of goodness and in, in humanity. Like he just was like, I have these powers and I want to go out and do good. And I mean, I think he's wearing the Superman shirt in his first appearance. Like he, he actually explains like in the issue, why like why he he actually it's interesting in this issue he explains he's not so much wearing it as like a symbol of hope or like uh for the people he thinks that you know he this this Clark Kent doesn't really have any understanding of like where he came from or he just knows he's from another planet so I don't think he even knows that Krypton was destroyed Hmm. um so he actually is wearing the s because he knows related to its home planet and he thinks if you know we're beaming information out out in the space all the time if they see it they can come and get me and that actually felt very you know for someone that deals with that's that's dealt with like a whole loss of a culture so to speak with his family you know and he's trying to like desperately cling to whatever little crumbs of information he has on his origins uh i thought that was a very honest way to approach the S symbol. Like he doesn't even know it means hope. Hmm. You know, it's just, it's just, it's, he knows it's his family moniker, um, uh, emblem and he's where, and he's not wearing it to inspire hope in other people. He's out there helping people, but that's sort of like his personal way to try and reach out to his family hmm. out, out in the stars. I thought that was interesting. Um, the, the, the basically the whole issue is, Clark Kent arguing with Pete Ross, who have, who him and another friend have come to visit Clark in um, Metropolis. There's also a cool um, piece with Abin Sir, like Hal Jordan hasn't gotten the ring yet, so Abin Sir is still the protector of Earth, and Clark runs into him. Um, you know, I don't want to say too much because I know you're eventually going to read the collected edition, but yeah, um, it's just something about the way that Max Landis is approaching the, the character personalities just feels a little raw but very honest and distinct. I feel like sometimes writers, they, they don't know how to juggle the characterization with the plot. Like they lean too much on the plot and not enough on the characterization or they lean too much on the characterization and the characters just seem forced. And then the plot's hollow and you just don't really care. Um, this is a book that somehow has found a balance with both. Mm-hmm. And it makes me sad that I think there's only one more issue to go. And I'd be super curious just seeing this Superman character continue um, but yeah, no Superman American Alien number six. I think this is a book that I kind of want to have the collected edition when it's all said and done and just read it all in one big sitting. Uh, and I think I'll still really enjoy it, but yeah, I'll, I'll give it another shot beginning to end when the collected edition comes out. It just wasn't jiving with me. You wasn't know? jiving the jive? No, boo, that is not a thing. That's going to be a thing. Nope. Just wait stop, for it. Tr- stop trying to make fetch happen. Chivin the jive. I, nope. Take it, people. Roll with it. Um, other than that, I did read the latest Invincible. Now, this Invincible is it's been like a few months, like several months since the last issue. Uh, one of the cool things about this 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 now current arc 
is that Corey Walker, the original Invincible artist, is actually coming on to draw six issues while Ryan Otley takes a break. Uh, he'll be back in, you know, afterwards. But um, this storyline actually picks up after a major... I'm just going to freaking spoil it because I don't know if you're ever going to read it. Uh, eventually, I'll probably forget this, though. Basically, at the end of the last arc, uh, it was the reboot arc that you probably heard of. So Mark uh, traveled back after everything that's happened. He travels back to like the very first issue of Invincible uh, or the, the time of the first issue of Invincible. Mm-hmm. And he basically goes about, you know, because he has, you know, for the foresight, he goes around and starts, you know, change Like he stops his dad. I think you got as far as like the fight that him and his dad. Yeah, had. yeah, I knew all, knew all so, about like, that. So he changes that. He's able to um, convert his dad early to sort of like revealing his true colors uh, to be a good person, I mean, uh, and all this other stuff. And he basically, you know, he prevents a lot of awful, awful, awful stuff from happening because he knows it. And it turns out that the whole reason that he got sent to the past was because these aliens of some indeterminate origin, like, gave him the gift to go back and change things. And they said, like, basically you have a choice. You can stay here and and change things so that all these you know these thousands and thousands and thousands of people that die between like the fight with his dad, the fight with dinosaurs uh, across the universe, uh, you know, and all that will be saved, or you can return to your own time. And he already knew that at that point, even a couple weeks into being in the past, that my daughter will never be born. And he chose his daughter, and to return to his own timeline then save all these people lives. So now he's wrestling with these feelings of like, I'm not a hero because I chose one person, even though that person was my daughter over saving thousands and thousands of lives. Hmm. He returns to his timeline. And I don't know if it was a dick move on these aliens parts or whatever, but he ends up returning five years after he first, like after he vanished dicks. So his daughter's five years older you know, the world's moved on. There's all this stuff bubbling in the past that apparently is still taking five years to bubble up. So, like, now we're about to hit that breaking point. Uh, I won't go really go into the details there, but character allegiances have changed. Uh, stuff, obviously, like, you know, his his wife... Um, why am I blanking on her name? Adam Eve? Eve. Um, <laughs> um, you know, like, she just went five years thinking that her husband... It's like, Mark disappears all the time. So there are times like, and, and I knew that like before this, this per- current time, like he had disappeared for a while and she was like, you know, she waited for him and she was like distraught, didn't know if he was coming back. Um, and it was just like, you can't do that again. So a, a big part of the previous arc was like him not wanting to get involved uh-huh. and then finally deciding, deciding that he, okay, he will get involved. And then this happens. So at this point, like it's not even just that he was gone for weeks or months, like he was gone for five, five years. years. So at yeah. some point in this five years, Eve moved on to a certain extent. And she makes a comment this issue that there was someone else while you were gone. We don't know yet or, or who I mean. Um, but a lot of interesting plates are spinning. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting when books like this do time jumps and not just time jumps where like all the characters speed up five years. This is Mark trying to catch up and figure out how to reinsert himself into his own life. And um, and of course, there's this other like great big war that's just about to explode. It's just, it's it's incredible what Kirkman and Otley and the whole crew have accomplished in the last 127 issues, uh, and it just makes me really excited to see where it's going to go from here. I'm never going to read it now. You spoiled everything. Only like the first, the last like four or five issues. Uh, plus, you said there was a fight with like Donosaurus. I don't know who that is. 
All I said was there was a fight and people die. That happens like every issue of Invincible. Yeah, a lot of people do die. A lot of casualties. Just a lot of casualties. Well, of course. Cool a lot of cash. What? That's not what that phrase means. Uh, whatever you say, David. Nick, Nick, you un- you understand that it's not that's not what casualties means, right? I, I means of course, of course, David. Yeah, casualty does it has nothing to do with cash. No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, who are you winking to? Also, you look like you like have a weird. You're like having a seizure when you go to wink. No, I wasn't winking, David. Why would you tell people I that you were having a seizure? Uh, I can't. I actually can't wink. I can't wink either. I'm not very good at it. This is really this is really great visuals for the podcast. <laughs> Us just staring off into space, attempting to, to wink, attempting to close one eye. Uh, good times. Well, any other any other thoughts? Anything else you want to say about books of the week? Uh, comic books came out. I read some of them. I uh, I picked they up. They were enjoyable. I don't know why. Looking back, I picked up the Criminal Tenth Anniversary book, mm-hmm. uh, because Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. But I have not read Criminal. It's good stuff. You should read it. I know I should because I love those guys. Those guys. I'm sure there'll be like a. Comicsology sale eventually. Oh, there might even be one now. I should check that out. I oh, look, there is one. Well, I can't trust you. Fair enough. Don't trust me, David. I haven't, and I won't. Not today, not ever. Very good, saw. And I'm gonna look right now with everybody listening on the podcast, so they all know that Nick is a dirty, dirty liar. Yeah, I am. Jungle Book sale. Wow, that does not look appealing to me in the slightest. Marvel Heroin sale. They have this sale every five minutes. Jim Butcher's Dresden Files sale. <laughs> Who cares about the Dresden Files, am I right? Uh, Image 2016. Oh, look at that. Look at all of this criminal that is currently on sale. In is the, it really? In the Image 2016. All the volumes are $5 each. Wait a second. I'm also looking at Invincible right now, and all the issues are 99 cents. Yeah, because we're having an Image 2016 sale. Where the heck? Did, I didn't see that. Uh, this is. I am actually so glad that I checked this <laughs> because you lied to me. Uh, I mean, I see the. That's crazy that we're talking about it, and then boom, it's actually happening. Yeah, yeah the, I actually did not the, expect the, the it. Eisner either. sale, apparently. Uh, no, this one just says Image 2060. Uh, this is not interesting for the people. You know what is interesting, though? Spider-Man and his amazing friends! Our in-depth commentary on all things comic-related. Yeah. Yeah. So, news. First little bit of news is not gonna be uh, surprising to anybody. And that is that Arrow's Season 5 flashbacks will explore his Russian connections. <laughs> Say it with me, everybody. No shit. What's interesting is either he's going to he's gonna meet some more Russians like on the island, or he's actually going to go to Russia and somehow find his way back to the island. And then, because this is the year. This, this, this year, this next year's flashbacks 
lead into the beginning of Arrow. Right, and he somehow has to get that beard. That's exactly. The biggest so... concern in the hair. Uh, yeah, I'll be, actually be really interested uh, to see. Well, because we know he's going to see th- that one guy again. I can't remember his name. His Russian buddy. Mm-hmm. Who uh, and he's got to become a a Bratva captain, and that's all got to happen. And then for some reason they've got to put him back on the island with makeup on. That or what if he what if he like falls in like a time hole? Time hole. And like, oh man, like he falls in like a time hole, right? And he's there for another five years, and that's how they get their five years worth of flashbacks for the next five seasons. That I guess could happen. Yeah, yeah, he can go to like all sorts of other crazy worlds. He can spend an entire year in the DC Cinematic Universe world and just pop up in the movies for no reason. Uh, <laughs> I'm just here, guys. DC, send my checks to. Man, I've got to get a fake address eventually. Uh, yeah, so that's a thing that's happening. What else is happening or has happened? Um, let's see. Gene Lewin Yang reveals the new Superman's new name. And by the new Superman, I mean the, the new Chinese Superman that will be debuting as part of Rebirth. He was originally named Kenji Kong, but apparently they put a lot of thought into it. And uh, Gene Lewin Yang decided that Kenji sounded too Japanese. People thought he'd be, they'd be confused that he wasn't, like, considered enough. So now the new um, Superman is named Keenan Kong. Mm-hmm. Watch, or, I it, hear the word Keenan, and I just think of Keenan and Kel. Is it Keenan? Keenan, yeah, K E N A N. It's closer to Keenan than Kan or Kanan. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm I'm just thinking Keenan Thompson from right. Keenan and, well, yeah, it was interesting because he went, went kind of in depth uh, into it and said, "Here were you know my constraints. The name would need to be a plausible Chinese name. The name's meaning should relate to the character's journey in some way." Uh, et cetera, et cetera. He wanted the initials to be KK because he couldn't use CK because there's no hard C in pinion. Um, and God forbid we ever learn Keenan Kong's middle name, Christopher with a K, and he becomes KKK. Oh, nope. Not going to be a th- I'm pretty sure they don't. Uh, I can't remember if it's one of the cultures that doesn't have middle names. I don't think they do, though. I actually think. I know. Uh, I don't think they really do. Most cultures don't. Um,. But yeah, yeah, uh, Kenan Kong, uh, Nan, but it means South, appropriate for a kid from Shanghai, since folks from Beijing like to call folks from Shanghai Southerners, and Ki means to overcome, and what would be more Superman than to overcome? So he's overcoming the South, uh, which means that this is going to end up being a Civil War book, is what yes. I'm putting together. It's a secret Marvel Civil War book. Also an American Civil War book. Yes, that's more what I was going for. Uh, I thought it was actually really interesting him talking about his writing the book. It says, my mom's family left mainland China when she was just an infant. She spent most of her childhood in Hong Kong and Taiwan. My dad was born and raised in Taiwan. My family hasn't lived in China for at least a generation. And I've only visited China twice. So my understanding of Chinese culture is through echoes. And uh, I would be writing a Chinese about Chinese life as an outsider, but some American readers would assume that I was an insider simply because of my last name. I'm going to be perfectly upfront. I was one of those people initially. 
um, I thought that, but the way that this was like set up, that maybe he had like decided to pitch this and thought this would be a really cool story idea, but it seems more like they had this idea and came to him to write it. Um, and I'm very interested to see what, what, you know, what his take is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it is, it was a smart business move. I would think on DC's part from, a, this, you know, from a marketing standpoint, like, Hey, we have this Chinese writer. Let's have him writing the book about a Chinese character. Cause we like, we know how the internet likes to complain when you have people who are not the same race writing characters, uh, of different races. Yeah. Yeah. Captain America civil war is expected to make $175 million. It's opening weekend. Uh, good job. Yeah. There's not really much to say. Uh, I was actually looking up some numbers earlier. This could be kind of interesting. Uh, to look at here of the highest opening uh, weekends based on movies. It's going to take me a second to dig this back up because I was doing this earlier at work. Um, but, but, uh, Nick, uh, go ahead and entertain the, the people for a moment. So we'll backtrack this. to this. Uh, other news, Scotty Young confirms departure from Rocket Raccoon and Groot after like what? Six issues. Uh, though, I mean, he'd been doing the Rocket yeah, Raccoon rock. for a little bit. Yeah. Um, but he does have another Marvel project in the works um, that he thinks people who are fans of his little Marvel characters will enjoy, which part of me makes me think that maybe it's a little Marvel's book. Um, like little, then, little Gotham. They're going to go ahead and do both little Marvel. Um, of course he's still doing, I hate fairyland for image. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but cool. Uh, for those that like his rock racket raccoon and Groot, um, you know, sorry to see him go, but if you didn't like it, then maybe those that take over will be more to your liking. All right. Excuse me. All right. So, so hopping back quickly to the, uh, the opening weekend idea here. Um, so top opening weekends by month. If we're looking at May, which is when the movie's coming out, currently Marvel's The Avengers holds the highest opening weekend with $207 million. Uh, actually, this is really interesting because the first, um, the first five spots are actually all Marvel properties. Uh, really? so the next one, Avengers age of Ultron, 191 million, uh, Iron Man three, 174 million. So that's kind of, it's the top contender there. Uh, the next one is Spider-Man three. I know that's not a Marvel property in a sense, but when it comes to the movies, but it is. With 151 million, and then Iron Man 2 was 128 million. Um, after that, you still have other, you have like Spider Man, X Men: The Last Stand, Iron Man, that stuff all all being peppered in. Oh, X Men: Days of Future Past did not have as big of an opening weekend as I would have thought. Hmm. Nor did it deserve it. Don't you know? I knew I shouldn't have brought it up. <laughs> knew I should not have brought it up. Um, but yeah, May is definitely Marvel's month. You know, they've carved out a little niche for themselves there to just rake in all your money. Mm-hmm. Good for them. Um, let's see here. 2016 Eisner Award nominations. 
I'm taking a look at them right now. This is, this is your first time looking at them? This yeah, been... this is my first time looking at them. Uh, I, I see Chrononauts was oh, yeah. nominated. I don't think it will win. And no, besides was... the Sean Murphy art, like it wasn't that good of a book. I was so surprised that it was nominated because it's really not that good of a book. It was totally got in there based purely on Sean Murphy art. And that's... <sighs> There's so many other books that could have been in there. And when you think best, it's like a book could have like the best looking art ever, but, yeah. but it has to be the complete package. And I feel like the narrative and the and the the dialogue and all that just wasn't what did not match the level of quality that Sean Murphy put into the artwork. Right, but you so, have you know you have best penciler. And I don't feel like that has to necessarily be somebody on an ongoing book. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's it's when you think of like the best limited series or best continuing series, you're thinking of this like in terms of like these are basically best movie awards. So the best movie award has to, you know, the best movie might not necessarily have won best director or best actor and all that. It probably won at least one of those, but it's sort of like that the entire package together equals right. the, the best right. movie right. compared to all their movies. No, no, no. I'm agreeing. That's why I'm saying like Sean Murphy totally could have just been nominated for his art and for art in other things. Because Sean did Murphy is great. Get, did he get nominated for art? He did not. He did not. Uh, so kind of some stuff that's that's sticking out, looking up here. Uh, Silver Surfer number 11 is the actually the only one of the big three that got nominated for best single issue. Uh, I have not read Silver Surfer number 11, full disclosure, by Dan Slott and Michael Allred. Um, but, yeah, the only Marvel, DC, or Image book to be nominated uh, best ongoing series. We have Bandette, which I have not heard about. From I've read a couple issues. Paul Tobin and uh, Colleen Coover. Giant Days, which I actually recommended a few episodes ago, uh, by John Allison, Lisa Treeman, and Max Saren. Invincible by Robert Kirkman, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Silver Surfer by Dan. Screw Silver. you, Ryan Otley and Cliff Bath Rathburn. You are not worth bringing up. Nope. <laughs> uh, Silver Surfer by Dan Slott and Michael Allred, and Southern Bastards by Jason Aaron and Jason Latour. Uh, Best Limited got Chrononauts, The Fade Out, Lady Killer, Minimum Wage, So Many Bad Decisions. I like that name. I, and The Spire. I have been reading The Spire. That's a good book. I'm glad to see it up there. Yeah. Um, and we'll probably list a couple other uh, nominations as as kind of just going through all this. I've noticed uh, Marvel nabbed a few nominations, but I don't remember seeing any uh, DC books. There's only one, not DC, but Vertigo. There's a best short story, Black Death in America, by Tom King and John Paul Leon hmm. in the uh, Vertigo Quarterly uh, Black. Interesting. Interesting. Hmm. Well, best writer we got Jason Aaron, John Allison, Ed Brubaker, and G. Willow Wilson. Best writer slash artist Bill Griffith, Nathan Hale, Sidney Padia, sure, Ed Piscor, and Noah Van Skeever. Best pen. I mean, shoot, Nick. Feel free to talk about any of these nominations at any point. <laughs> I don't know. Pandagraphic seems to rake in a lot of awards. Yeah. Uh, uh, best Penciler. Got Michael Allred. 
Has Michael Allred ever won an Eisner Award before? Uh, I don't know. You don't have this information off the top of your head? One one of the artists that I'm surprised about, um, yeah, we also have Cliff Chiang, uh, Erica Henderson, Joella Jones, and Nate Powell. I'm surprised about the Erica Henderson nomination just because I'm not the world's biggest fan of the art. Uh, it's totally cool that other people are apparently enough to, to nominate her. Who? Erica Henderson? Erica Henderson, yeah. It just didn't scream as you know some of the best art on the shelves right now to me. And I think that's um, what am I trying to say? Art can I mean sometimes like and sometimes you just you just feel it in your gut. Like I've seen Erica Henderson's art. It's not like my go-to art or anything. I don't think it's bad. I think structurally it's sound, but it's her style, and obviously that can be very subjective. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's and it's an award situation those are always subjective uh, i was wrong actually about the dc thing or we were wrong uh best cover artist amanda connor for harley quinn uh david Aja got a bunch uh Raphael albuquerque for huck I, I will say the huck uh huck covers were really interesting they were all movie posters I think the best cover artist is more. I guess it's it's referring to like the, the books their, that they worked on the work. year. Yeah, so yeah. I, that's true. Well, uh, I mean, yeah, they also mentioned eight, and for David Aya, they mentioned Hawkeye, Karnak, and Scarlet Witch. Did Karnak true. already get canceled? No, no. It it uh, the artist that was originally just uh, Gerardo Gerardo Jones. Uh, I'd have to look it up, but he only was able to do the first two issues and I guess some uh, personal stuff came up and he had to step away. So now Roland Bosch is taking over and the book should be back on track with this week's issue. Uh, I just didn't read it. Did it come out this week? It did, yeah. Man, I'm really paying attention to what's going on. You know, there's just so many books, it's impossible to like catch them all. Like they're like not Pokemon. Like, damn it. I was going to say that. <laughs> Are you going to be roped into this Pokemon Go bullshit? Uh, are, first off, David, are. it's not bullshit. You it are. sounds awesome. Whether or not I get super into it, I doubt it. Have, I don't have. I, I have very terrible levels of commitment when it comes to this kind of stuff. So it's like, on one hand, like the idea is interesting and it's exciting, but obviously, in my head, like I don't necessarily want to like hold my phone up and be like, "Oh, there's a Pikachu over there. Let me, uh, let me catch it." You know, so much enthusiasm in the attempted catching. I think in theory, like the idea and the sound of it, it does sound really, really cool. And I might at least give it a test run. I just don't see myself necessarily committing to it. You'd be the worst poker trainer ever. And I would. I would. I would not be a master. I would not oh, be the very best. Man, the like no one ever was. Uh, <laughs> to catch them is my test. To train them is your cause. Come on, yeah, how far yeah, are we going? Just, Pokemon. You know, travel across the land. T journey far and wide. Yeah, eat Pokemon to understand, understand the the power that's inside. Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm amazed at how much of this I still <laughs> know. Uh, here's an interesting thought. I don't know how we're gonna how we can pull this off, but superheroes as Pokemon. If you had to choose, if you had to choose your lineup of, of my, of my, your, of your my, po my Pokemon heroes. Superheroes. <laughs> yeah. No, my... no, it's totally fine. Like 
there's totally like uh you know dozens of well i mean not just dozens but there's like hundreds of like batmen hanging out in caves waiting to like <laughs> fight you when you approach you're saying batman is the equivalent of a zubat yeah zubat uh totally <laughs> Um, I just, I literally am trying to picture like the poke, like the Pokemon cartoons, like anime, like how the its animation style is, but just seeing like Ash walk into a cave and seeing a bunch of Batman. A bunch of Batman is like hanging upside down. You know, the, the mystical flying Superman. Oh yeah. I would totally like Superman would totally be uh Mew. Superboy prime would be Mew too. You get like, um, Instead of Sp- Spinneret, it's like Spider-Man just like hanging in the bushes. <laughs> like Spider-Man just Spider-Man. Uh, let's see. Jiggly, Jigglypuff. I don't want to make Wonder Woman Jigglypuff. But that's Black just... Canary. Oh, it totally works. Yeah, yeah. Vocal thing. Uh, Wonder Woman would be, I don't know, Miltank or something? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Hit, hit Mon- Hitmonlee? No. Um, Hitmonchan, maybe. Hitmonchan. No, uh, there was there, there there's the like, not Volpix. Is it Volpix? Volpix that turns into Ninetales. Ninetales. That's that's where my mind's going for some reason. Oh man, this totally works. Ditto would be Rogue. Would be Rogue. Yep, yep. Or maybe like a shape changer, like Morph or uh, oh, meta- Morph. or Metamorpho. Oh, Metamorpho would be better because it kind of matches the weird color scheme. Yeah, you know, purple. Ditto's purple, Metamorpho's has, like five different colors, but yeah, weird color purple. scheme. Yeah, you know, it's like weird amorphous shapes. <laughs> Ditto, the sex slave of the Pokemon world. Uh, no, that's that's Jinx. Jinx is the sex slave? J- yeah, man. Well, if there was any kind of like this po- took a a human-Pokemon turn. relations, yeah, I mean like uh, I, Ditto can only turn another Pokemon. Come on, well, or, or can Ditto? I think in the in the TV show, Ditto turned into people. Ditto turned into like everything. Ditto turn can Ditto turn into a human? This is a googled term, people. We are on this journey together. Uh, oh man, I have ended up on a forum. That's always a bad place to go. Oh. Uh, what were we talking about before this madness happened? Pokemon Go. Pokemon Go. I feel like that can't be where this all started. No, can't... no, this is all wrong. Wait a second. What? So I Googled the same thing you did. I don't know if you looked at the second link Google search, but it was uh, on a, on Reddit. Someone asked, can a ditto and a human produce a viable offspring? <laughs> <laughs> The top comment to that is, man, man, we don't want to hear it. Just wear a condom, okay? <laughs> this is horrifying. The idea is that humans are, are essentially Pokemon. Yeah, people have put way too much thought. I've got a friend, uh, a pretty good friend, who's way more into Pokemon than I am. Mm-hmm. And we'll just, like, go off on tangents and start naming like the like newer stuff and like rating like all the games and like be like no but they added this and they changed this and like the storyline of blah 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 and I'm like I just want to throw balls at m- monsters and maybe have them go to sleep inside because I don't really understand how a pokeball works it all seems like animal cruelty to me but what are you gonna do because there was a war at some point that wiped out most of the adults 
it's all in <laughs> subtext. Oh man. Pokemon. What Rat- a what a what a thing. Rat Queens has gone on hiatus. Again. This is like a, a pretty big one though. Uh, for those who are not aware, the original artist of Rat Queens was arrested for domestic, domestic abuse charge or yeah. domestic violence. I shouldn't say domestic abuse. It was domestic violence. Uh, but Tess Fowler uh, had said, Dear Rat Queens fans, sadly, 16 is my last issue. Sometimes, despite the best maps, you just can't foresee every hurdle uh, thrown in your path. Tess Fowler was the most current artist on Rat Queens. I look for official words soon. There is no ill will. I wish the creators well in all they do. Rat Queen fans love you forever and always. And then Curtis Weeby, uh, YB, the writer and co-creator said, after long consideration, I've decided to put Rat Queens on hold. A huge thanks to Tess Fowler and uh, T. Von Villain. That's their Twitter handle. I don't know their real name. I apologize. For their incredible work and patience through everything, hire the hell out of them. Uh, and that seems to be all we know. Uh, it's difficult for a series. So there's been, yeah, there's been artist changes. Uh, there was a, I know there's a lot of um, sorry there was like a lot of turmoil with the original artist getting arrested um and this is i mean it was a book that was doing well so it really like there's really got to be something behind the scenes going on nick speculate for me speculate i don't know if there's anything to really speculate i think it's just a book that's had trouble coming back from its original you know uh the word hiccup is is really light. The the fact that the original artist and I don't have his name up in front of me, um, you know, being arrested obviously threw the book off, and it feels like it's been trying to get itself back on track. Now this is a book I've been reading either, um, but it sounds like even with uh, at least reading some of these things uh, that uh, Curtis Weeb made the decision to put on hiatus, um, be you know be. Before test, I guess basically test followers leaving the book because it's going on hiatus mm-hmm. uh, and won't be coming back whenever it does come back. So it just sounds like Curtis needs to take a break from it, get all of his ducks in a row, and then you know maybe we'll see it continue. Yeah, well, Curtis uh, Curtis Weeb um, has another book that's been on hiatus for a very long time. What's that one? I can't remember. Oh, Peter uh, Peter Panzerfaust. Oh, oh yeah, I read a little bit of that. That was pretty good. I didn't yeah. realize that it was on hiatus, though. That has been on hiatus for at least three years, it seems. Three years, wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, so issues 17 and 18 for Rat Queens were solicited, but are not coming out, so it seems. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it might be because it's... You know, Rock Upchurch is still a, is still a creator and still drawing money, so there maybe there's some turmoil there. I don't know. It's sad. could be, could be. It's sad times for everyone. And in breaking news, uh, DC Comics announced a restructuring of Vertigo, which includes the letting go of a uh, longtime editor and at least in the last few years, the like executive editor of Vertigo, Shelley Bond. Uh, she will be stepping away from her role as it gets uh, liquidated, I guess. And now whoever will be the head of Vertigo, honestly, as an executive editor, but will be overseen by Dan Didio and Jim Lee, 
the co-publishers of DC Comics. Yeah, this is rough. Uh, Vertigo is has been such a, a great line. Um, it's had some really, really strong stuff, but they've been struggling in the past couple of years to really figure out what the future of Vertigo is going to be. Um, Can, I'm going to say something controversial, and it's going to be, I guess, I don't think there should be a future for Vertigo. I think at this point they should just wrap it up. One of the things was that at the time it was spearheading, you know, edgy and alternative, uh, sort of like mainstream indie works. You know, these were mostly DC characters like Sandman. Well, Sandman was like heavily redone, but then like uh, Swamp Thing and all that brought over, and then things that outgrew Hellblazer, from that. Yeah. Hellblazer, which wasn't necessarily a DC character, he really did start in Vertigo. Well, yeah, but that's what like stuff that yeah. has its ties. To, to DC, you know, and it was like the, the it's kind of like Max with their, their Max, Mar, sorry, Marvel with their Max line. It was like the mature version of DC properties, but with usually like a supernatural bent. But it's kind of like that ship has sailed. I mean, a lot of these characters have been reincorporated. Even, even if these characters hadn't been reincorporated back into like the DC universe proper and been like now like they're quote unquote all ages or whatever, Vertigo, you know, a lot of people went to Vertigo because it had the prestige. Uh, you know, you can kind of make a, cre- a career there or, like, you can get your name on the map there with a good creator-owned book. But as far as, like, when you make a book at Vertigo, you don't own it completely. Image has stepped up and it has this, quote-unquote, revolutionary plan where, you like, literally they just help you get your book out. But otherwise, you own 100% of it. So if you come up with an original idea that you deserve to own completely, would you bring it to Vertigo or would you bring it to Image? And the answer is you would bring it to image. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I totally get what you're saying, and that's—I mean—that's that's a really good point. I can see why DC, seeing the pedigree of books that have come through Vertigo, you know, Sandman, uh, The Invisibles, Fables, uh, I Zombie, you know, books that have have generally done well and have have been big names. You know, it, it's. It's not surprising that they would want to keep that going in hopes that they're going to have the next Fables, the next Sandman. And you, you could be totally right that that's not that, – that, that future is over at Image for people. It's no longer at Vertigo. Uh, and – sorry, no. no, no well, no, I, I was just going to say, I mean, where – yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't in my limited knowledge of, of comics business, like I don't have – a way that I would be like, here's how you could use Vertigo. Uh, because maybe, you know, maybe there is a way to, to keep it going but change it, but I, but I don't know what that would look like. I, I, I feel like they, if they really want to compete with Image, and Image, I think, is Vertigo's main competitor, they would have to give creators the exact same deal that Image offers. You know, so you get the Vertigo branding, you know, but the book is still entirely yours. But I think that's a problem for a company like DC, where they're owned by a big corporate entity like Warren Brothers. And it's the same thing with Marvel and Disney. That at this point, most like I, I don't want to speak too much about the. You know, I don't know. I'm not an expert on it by any means. But the, I mean, the industry like, what is it like? I mean, like the top selling book might hit like only like in the thousands like of copies uh, like maybe mm-hmm. tens of thousands 20 of thousands something like that i don't have the number in front of me but in the grand scheme of things it's low compared to say the millions and millions of people that might go see a movie yeah 
And then, um, you know, so with vertigo, that's even less, you know, because the, the Virgo number is like this. You, you're not getting like a, t and that's like top 10 books. So you, like most Virgo books at best, you're probably looking in the top, you know, 10 to 20 or 20 to 30 or like maybe in the top 50 for at least a couple of them. So they're clearly not drawing in huge crowds. Image books, you know, are are probably in the, are in the top fifty as well. I'm sure, but but again, it's like that's like from the readership size, from the creator size. Image has the better deal. Vertigo doesn't have the the business model in place that's lucrative to creators. Uh, and DC, if they're going to fork money over for this kind of stuff, they're going to want some kind of ownership of it because as a corporate entity, they're looking for exploitable IPs. And if like they can't, if they gave a, a creators the same deal as Image, then they would have no control over. Besides, maybe the goodwill of the career to give them, say, the film rights, then they're basically just printing other people's stuff. When in a sort of corporate sense, they're trying to print their own stuff. Yeah, and just kind of looking at where where sales are at, like the the top selling books are. So last month it was Batman number fifty, uh, which is one hundred and sixty three thousand. Uh, which is just blew everyone else out of the water. The closest after that was Mighty Morphin Power Rangers with 120,000, uh, and then Star Wars with 107. Everything after that is sub uh, 100,000. And even, you know, if you add in the price into that equation, none of these books are hitting a million dollars. Nope. And it's really amazing that comics have, have held on in the way that they have. Uh, it, yeah, it's 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 very interesting. Uh, there's going to be a shifting in comics within the next couple of years. Maybe more towards digital, but are people going to be willing to pay? You know, three ninety nine, four ninety nine for a digital only book? Yeah. Uh, probably not. I'll you know, I'll be perfectly honest. I get upset now when I, you know, when I when I go on try to buy a Marvel book online and it's the same price as the print book, even though I'm paying more for the print book because it has a digital copy, then why am I paying the same price for just the digital copy? Because uh, they make more money. I, you know, I'm not that dumb. I figured it out, guys. <laughs> just now, my mind has been blown. Um, but yeah, they want you... That's why... That's why you know new books come out and movie deals get if, if it's semi popular at all movie deals get made instantly because they want to maximize the profit of that property. Mark Millar, I'm not his biggest fan, but the guy's smart. The guy has you know found a way to be a, a creator in this world and make a bunch of money, uh, and you know very few people are living are living the. Uh, the Grant Morrison lifestyle where they can write whatever books they want and somehow make enough money to, I assume own a bed in the shape of their own face, because that's just how I imagine Grant Morrison sleeping. Um, <laughs> though he is now editor at heavy metal magazine. Yes, that is correct. Heavy metal magazine still exists. And the first issue with him coming out is soon. Did I tell you that? Uh, yeah, a guy I'm Facebook friends with is, uh, Wrote, wrote a story that's going to be in there. Oh, yeah? Uh, you may have. It's pretty cool, though. And uh, Godoleski is the artist on it. Scott Godoleski? Yeah. Oh. I I Jelly. Know. I hate him. Uh, I 
hate him. So, I hate him so much. <laughs> when's when's Copperhead coming back? Huh? I know, I know. Jay Favor says like until they have the next arc done, they're not scheduling it. So oh, that is. And I know Scott Kaleski. Apparently, he's angry. doing this heavy metal thing, and he's been doing this Vertigo book, the the Dark and the Bloody. I think. Oh so, yeah. Uh, which I haven't been keeping up with. I think like three issues are out right now, but he's clearly keeping himself busy while drawing, drawing Copperhead. So I don't know if it's how much of it is like either he had these other commitments and that's slowing down the artwork for Copperhead or maybe something on the scripting side. So he's been taking other work to make up for it in between. Don't know. They haven't really been super transparent about it other than it's taking time. Yeah. It's Looking in the this top 50 though, um, there's no Vertigo books in the top 50. Uh, as far as image books, I mean, it looks like Walking Dead and Saga are in the top 50. Oh, I closed that window. What is it? Uh... Um, yeah, I think in the top 50, that's it. So Saga and Walking Dead are in the top 50. The rest are Marvel and DC books, mostly Marvel. Mm-hmm. And in a large, well, especially in the, so in the top ten you have two, um, two DC books and a lot of Marvel and a lot of that is, uh, actually Star Wars stuff. Man, Marvel is really banking on on that. But they're, they're, they are making bank. Smart move. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Hmm. Maybe this is something for us worth, you know, us getting somebody who has more knowledge of the industry in here and asking them about all of this and seeing, you know, what, what their prediction for the future of comics is. And I know, you know, there's probably plenty of that out, out there, but it's still fun to talk about. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that would honestly be awesome because obviously, like, this is related to – these are – these are the, the direct market orders. So these are what the retailers have ordered, not even necessarily what the uh, people have bought. Right, exactly. The, the retailers have ordered. <laughs> the actual sold number is probably lower. It's probably so lower. and But at the same time, it also doesn't account for other uh, revenue channels as well as digital or including True. digital. True. So, yeah, I mean. I would like to see those numbers. Why are they keeping it from us? What are they hiding? Huh? Huh? <laughs> The only thing I can, th- the only thing I'm curious about though, is the so the index. When it says index, uh, where did you get the number where it said like Batman sold like 163,000? Uh, I googled best selling comics or best selling comic books, and the first one was uh, comic hron. dot com slash monthly comic sales. Oh, okay. So that. The numbers might be here somewhere, but well, it does say estimated sales. So yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. it's that's always the... estimated. The the full numbers aren't disclosed. But for example, like Huck number five, that was ish, that was the one hundred tops comic for March. So it's not like that's pulling in a lot of weight. Uh, it's almost sort of like, and I'm, I'm thinking, given how few copies Batman sold, how few copies of Huck was ordered because if this is literally based on what was being ordered estimated of course uh-huh. and that, the thing about everything from like 101 to 200 how few copies of that was ordered and joined by this list that's probably the majority of images output as well as dark horse 
and, are all and around. Just like because Marvel 000. has quite a number of books, probably a half of Marvel's output is probably in the 100 to 200. Obviously, some of it, this is just us talking out of our asses, but it is really interesting. Like, it's almost like why bother produce anything that isn't in the top 100? When you think of the the overall numbers and what's considered healthy for, I mean, obviously it's what's I mean, healthy true. for a company. Yeah, I mean they've you know they've figured out that that cost benefit analysis where, okay, here's how much we're gonna make off this book, around twenty thousand dollars, and we're gonna pay you less than that, much yeah. less than that. Man, yeah, I remember when there was something that came out not too long ago where it was like the breakdown of, uh, of of like a comic, like, you know, a single issue. Here's the breakdown of how much goes here, how much goes there, how much goes blah, 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 blah. Um, and when you realize how small the profit is, that, that chart starts making a lot more sense. And it's also why somebody like Jordi Belair is coloring every single book in the world, because to, get, to do that as a full-time gig, I'm guessing the colorist is not the highest paid person working on that book. No, so I mean, like you, you're probably, you're just you're nonstop working. Which, if that's your passion, that's what you want to do. Good for you. Good. And I think I found the chart. I think you were referring to Jim Zub. I think it may have been. Throw it in the Skype real quick, and I'll. It shows. Um, let's see. Consider this is money making 47% is the retailers 11% is publisher slash advertising slash creative team 26% is printing and 16% is distribute the uh, distributor yep yeah I think this is the one uh, on that's a 299 cover price three dollars for simplicity's sake so yeah so he breaks it down even further uh, a buck 40 of that goes to the retailers or um, people selling comics to the customers, 80 cent cents of that is printing. Uh, 50 cents of that, one-sixth of the cover price goes to Diamond, the distributor who solicits uh, orders and ships comics. And the remaining 30 cents per issue uh, goes to advertising, promotion, publisher, operating traffic expense, money left over for the creative team to get paid anything. So that's 30 cents of a $3 issue uh is part of that is going towards how much the creative team is getting paid so think about think, that people it, it, you're 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 not getting into comics to to buy a ferrari you know what i mean yeah you're going in for the passion i think that i think that can help like, compared to some industries where i mean i think every industry has its share of successes and failures but mm -hmm. because like you know, if you really succeed at like music or movies, like you can be making shit tons of money with mm -hmm. comics. A shit ton is not a lot in the grand scheme of comics. So no matter what level you are at in the comics tier, you, whether the, the readership loves it or hates it, like you are definitely trying to like the people that are doing their best, they're really putting in just like nonstop work are my brain just died. Um, like they're they're gonna go above and beyond regardless of whether they're gonna pay. Like it's a pure passion thing. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely, and and God bless them because we love comics, and we want to keep reading them. I think uh, I think we've pretty much exhausted that discussion for now. There's still lots more cool stuff to be said about that. Um, unless you have any other any other thoughts, I don't think I have anything else to add. Don't talk to strangers. No, Nick. No.
Oh, sorry. sorry. Do you uh, do you have any uh, any recommend? Uh, hold on, hold on. I gotta play the thing that we're playing now. I forget, keep forgetting what we play now when we're doing this. Uh, you boys aren't nerds, are you? I don't think that was it. No, it's uh, it's mayhem for your mind. I'll figure it out by next episode. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, Nick, you're gonna recommend anything to us today? Uh, I don't really have any strong recommendations. Not this week. That's disappointing. But I see that you do. I don't. <laughs> Wait. Did you didn't recommend that last week? I did. You did? Yeah. Oh crap! You did. And I listened to it this week. It was a really good interview. Uh, but yeah, this this is gonna be the first week where neither of us have a recommendation because I. Hey, didn't... People expect this from me, David. They don't expect this from you. You really I... let people down. I know, but if I recommend anything I've read this week, you always go. Bleh, 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 bleh. That's true. Better not to recommend anything at all. Yeah, I can't. You've worn me down, Nick. I can't deal with it. Congratulations. You're welcome. Uh, you know what? No, no. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do because I talked about it earlier. I want to recommend that people go out there and they get the uh, Tokyo Ghost Volume 1. I know it's been out for a little while now. Came out uh, March. Came out in March. So it's still it's still fresh enough to be recommended atomic garden is the name of the first volume go and get that check it out all in all it is a good time and beautiful beautiful sean murphy art uh so there you go people tokyo ghost volume one boom baby anything nick anything no no i I, I don't i don't do stuff like you do it i wait i'm patient yeah, how's that working out for you? I mean, I haven't. I don't typically have recommendations, so I guess not well for the show. But, uh, but my life's going all right. Wow, you can hear how much he doesn't believe that people in the oh sound of his God. voice. Well, thank you so much for giving us a listen. You can find out more about the show by going to heckyeahcomics.com. You can also write into the show with any of your thoughts or recommendations to heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. We would love to receive it and read it on the show. And if you can also follow us on Twitter uh, at heckyeahcomics. You can find me on Twitter at Davluz, that is D-A-V-L-U-Z, and you can find Nick attempting to run over people in the middle of the street. As (laughs) always, if you enjoyed the show, then please tell your friends. And if you hated it, then please tell your enemies. Until next time, we say goodbye.